Hi, it's Jeff, host of the podcast. My latest author interview will be up in just one moment. I'm not going to ask you to buy anything. I'm not going to ask you to go and review the podcast. What I am going to do is take just one brief moment and ask you to recommend the podcast to just one friend. If you're a writer or if you're someone who just loves books and you love this podcast and the interviews that I do, all that I ask is that you recommend the podcast to just one friend. Thanks a lot. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Claudia Reese, author of the new novel, To Kingdom Come, the fourth book in her art history mystery series. Claudia, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your new novel, To Kingdom Come, how would you describe the novel? Uh, well, uh, to put it into context, um, as you said, this is the fourth novel uh, in the in the series, and um, the main characters who continue uh, throughout the series um, are Erica Sean and Art. Uh, editor at Art News, and her slightly uh, or seasoned colleague, um, Harrison Wheatley, who is an art history professor at NYU Fine Arts. And uh, they started their uh, relationship um, doing a, a, a more or less an academic research project, which turned somewhat deadly, and uh, they were solving crimes in, in the art world uh, and gained somewhat uh, interesting reputation in their, uh, in their niche of uh, uh, their community, the art community. And in this uh, book, sorry, this isn't an elevator pitch. In, in this book, um, the two are on a hunt for a uh, cache of uh, art and artifacts that were looted during the colonial era. Um, and more specifically, it refers to a more um, pivots on the, um, what, the, what the British called their punitive expedition um, in 1897 uh, into the uh, kingdom of Benin, which is in modern day Nigeria, by the way, everyone makes this mistake. I did as well. Sure. Um, yeah. And uh, it, uh, along the way, they become embroiled in present day murders. And there are some twists and turns in this. And, and this is no way a treatise, you know, a moral treatise of, of any kind. But I, I felt obligated to um, to write this, to uh, and at least research it and at least study this because I had come across a um, an article uh, in in the newspaper about these stalled attempts to return um, some of this uh, art uh, to Africa, um, and um, I I had actually a baptism by fire by reading uh, David Hicks' book. Uh, the Brutish Museums, which is uh, always <laughs> misspelled, and I have to correct. Uh, it is the Brutish Museums, uh, and uh, it is um, 
need to see what date. Well, I don't have it on hand, the date that it was published, but it was quite recent. Right. But it, it was, as I said, a baptism by fire because he gives a very dramatic um, description of, of uh, what went on in 1897. Um, this was in retaliation for an incident that had occurred uh, a month or so earlier when there were several people uh, from Britain, several, uh, 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 let's see, and, and their carriers, about a group of about eight. Phillips was the head of this group. And they went to the uh, Kingdom of Benin to uh, negotiate a trade agreement with the Oba, or king of uh, Benin. Um, and they were advised not to enter the compound on that particular day because it was a holy day and they would be disturbing the souls of ancestors. But they disregarded this, uh, promptly marched into the uh, compound and uh, were immediately killed. Uh, so um, this was this punitive expedition, as they called it, um, took place uh, just a short time later. And um, the retaliation was way out of proportion to anything that, that might have been expected. It, they, they just devastated the area. They um, uh, decimated the place. They, um, or more than decimated, that's only 10%. Uh, and the, the villages around the, the compound, they just, you know, went to, went to, went to hell with themselves and really... Uh, caused quite a, devast a devastation, and that was the end of the kingdom of Benin at, at or the way it was uh, governed at that time. It, it's been reconstituted, um, uh, but it's not quite the same glory that it, that it was. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, and I'm curious, what what other yeah. research did you do about this topic? Because I'm I'm no expert, but certainly, as you said, of reading this uh, newspaper article, I've certainly read about yeah. um, you know the the yeah. issue of museums uh, coming to terms with you know how they ended up with uh, a number of um, uh, African art. Um, yes. in, their, in their collection. So I'm curious, what, what other research did you do as you were writing to Kingdom Come? Okay, well, um, <clears throat> okay, the uh, and I'm looking at it now, the Hicks book, which was uh, published by Pluto Press in 2020. Um, and I also uh, read um, Metropolitan Fetish African Sculpture and the Imperial French Invention of Primitive Art by John Warren Monroe. Cornell University 2019, and The Art of Benin by Nigel Bar Barley, uh, the British Museum Press uh, 2010. And, um, you know, along the way, I, I, uh, 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 articles that I was reading uh, online led me to other, other articles, and I, I, I didn't enumerate them in, in my endnotes, but, uh, I mean, I did a lot of reading, and... Uh, Hopefully I didn't make too many errors <laughs> in my references. Um, well, well, I wonder if you could take us back. What was your initial writing journey that led you to write and get your first art history mystery novel published? Um, 
Okay. Well, I, I guess it's a long and a short story. Well, uh, you can you can tell it's a long. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I, very early on, um, the uh, love of art was ingrained in, in me. It was I have an almost in what you'd call an organic uh, relationship with it because it was associated so early on with with my family and family outings. And in fact, my brother became a an, an art historian uh, in this environment. And um, as I said, very early on, um, we would go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art and, and uh, the Modern Museum and also uh, the Frick and uh, a number of others, but less less frequently than the than the Museum of Modern Art and and the Metropolitan. And very often after our our outings, we would order Chinese food, take out, <laughs> and around the kitchen table, we would talk about what we had seen. So this love began very early on. Um, but uh, later on, um, many years later, um, I um, got interested in the senior side of the art world, and it the the uh, sort of the amalgam of the most sublime instincts of uh, man and the basest seemed to make for wonderful fiction or you know attempts at wonderful fiction and um, so I became interested in writing uh, about this. Now I spoke to my brother um, about this. I said, "Oh, I really would like to write an art mystery." I didn't call it an art history mystery mm-hmm. <laughs> at that time. And um, he said, without losing a beat, uh, well, why don't you write something about uh, track, trying to track down a lost uh, presentation drawing or sketch for uh, Michelangelo's uh, Battle of Casina, which uh, it was a fresco that he was commissioned to do, but it was never completed. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, uh, this, I serendipitously thought uh, about a an incident that had occurred uh, years before when I was at uh, at Bess. Or it was my uh, beginning of my freshman year, and I was sitting on the edge of my bed talking to a uh, a dorm mate. This was in ancient times, um, BC before co-ed, and um, uh, I was this pipsqueak from Brooklyn, and 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 I was surrounded by debutantes, and she was talking to me and telling me about what you know she had done during the summer, and she said, oh, "And where did you summer?" And I said, "On my front porch." <laughs> and and then she proceeded to tell me quite casually that her father had recently um, lost his uh, sugar plantation in Cuba. Uh, because it was seized by Castro's rebels a fly. And, uh, during the Cuban Revolution. And uh, the, did you say something? I'm sorry. I, didn't. I was just making a joke. I said tough oh. life. I just said oh. tough life. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, for some reason, this conversation um coincided with my brother's suggestion and and so I put together the story of uh, a uh, an American uh, owner of a sugar plantation in Cuba 
and uh, he happened to be an art collector. And his art collector is his art collection is 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 stolen by a group of Castro uh, wannabes who had to raise money for um, arms, uh, and and then and then it, and it proceeded from there. And uh, so my prologue was just the incident. Um, that took place in 1958, very, you know, and, th- and then it switches to a, uh, a gala at the Pierre Hotel where uh, Erica and Harrison are put together to and, and meet a, a woman who is related to this incident. She's the actually the, the, um, the daughter of, of the uh, person who had lost the um, plantation. Um, and uh, I, I also I, I should I should say here that the relationship of Erica and 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 Harrison progressed throughout the series. It starts as, as sort of a burgeoning romance with uh, lots of foreplay, of course. So it doesn't you know culminate too early. And um, and then and then in, in future books uh, they they get married. Uh, they have some problems, and they now have a, a child. But um, the books themselves stand alone. You don't need to know as a prerequisite for uh, reading any of these books. You don't need to know their their history. And of course, I give some of it each time. But um, let's see, fun so, of writing a uh, series. So are uh, you are you working on another novel now? Um, y- yes. Uh, uh, I've just gotten started with it. I, I think I know where I'm going with it, but um, yeah, it's. I don't want to give too much of it away, oh, and sure. somehow the the spoilers and and the and the explanation are sort of compacted in one sentence. So I <laughs> let's just say it's about um, uh, the impressionists, uh, sure. Monet no. and, and the impressionists, and uh, something that goes awry in the early part of the. Uh, 20th century and um, mm-hmm. remains latent until the present day when our amateur sleuths are uh, working on a uh, on the on the on the problem that has arisen, and of course there will be some murders involved as well. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sure. Well, I'm curious, what is your writing process when you're working on a novel? Are you someone who... Uh, who does a detailed outline before you begin, or do you just have a general idea about a piece of art history and you just kind of dive into the narrative to see where it takes you? Can you tell us a little bit about your process? Uh, well, I, I guess I, I'm sort of in between the these the the compulsive uh, outliner and and the just the let's just ad lib it and just sit down at the computer. I um I. I have these uh, five by seven cards, uh, and I, I jot down uh, ideas. I jot down plot points, 
And um, this is after I've done a lot of reading and uh, jotting down just general ideas. I jot down, you know, plot points and, and I, then I have them all scattered all over. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I put them in order, which I think they're going to appear in the book. And um, uh, and of course, I'm constantly shuffling and and adding and and deleting and so on. But that's basically the way I, I work. But I have to start with a definite hook, a definite pivot, and um, I usually take um, a few contemporaneous characters from a, a particular time period and uh and and uh sort of like put them together in some odd kind of way or interesting way um without um being unfaithful to either the era that they're in or their personalities or what they've done in life so it this is i create a a scenario that might have been, uh, it's, uh, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. <laughs> and, yeah. So and that's Which I think is I, what a lot of historical mystery uh, writers do. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a very interesting um, uh, dilemma sometimes, um, this combination of, of fiction and nonfiction. Right, right. And, and where, where to begin and where to end it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that that makes the the writing kind of interesting and exciting at the same time. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm curious, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Well, um, I, I would say first of all um, to persist, no matter <laughs> no matter what, even even in the face of um, rejection and so on. But uh, and stick to your core values, but uh, but not tenaciously. Or well, stick to your core values tenaciously. But don't stick to your um, method, your form, your grammar. You know things like that. Don't stick to that zealously, zealously, because you know uh, you might get really good advice. I I I, I know I've I've been in the company of writers who will not give up certain words, certain phrases, certain things that, you know, habits. And, uh, I mean, I've certainly learned a few lessons along the way. And, uh, like just in this recent novel and to kingdom come, um, I, I had a, a, a good friend writer, uh, read the book. And, um, she said, uh, do you need, you know, all what goes on between chapters uh, 27 and, thir- and uh, 29? And um, I said, let me look at this. And I said, no. And I realized that the one chapter was was uh, impacting the uh, the movement, the momentum of the mm-hmm. of the novel. And it was sort of idling. And uh, what I did was I took out the chapter. Um, I took out one or two sentences or ex- expository facts, put them into to the prior chapter, took out another fact or two and put it into the uh, next chapter and and tossed it. And it went much, much more smoothly. And if I had been resistant to that to that suggestion, 
Right. Uh, it, it never would have occurred. And and sometimes you find if somebody um, uh, corrects you in in some way or says, "How about how about trying trying this?" or "Do you need this adverb here?" Uh, I've I've tossed out many an adverb, and I think Stephen King, in fact, is, <laughs> is said adverbs are the uh, path to hell, <laughs> pave the path to hell, <laughs> and um, uh. Yeah, it, it, because sometimes when someone brings something up, you realize this has been sort of a nagging little complaint or criticism you've had, for, uh, you know, on your own. And you finally say, yes, yeah, she's right. And and, and you make the correction. And, and also, I, I would suggest to someone, well, this was wandering. Um, <laughs> I would suggest to have... Um, a kind of um, uh, ritual, if you, if, if, especially when you're not feeling the mood strike you, uh, you, you feel kind of blocked or you're not. In, uh, yes. And so what I've done is um, I, I brew a cup of tea and I put it in a special place. I have to open my drawer, desk drawer, because it's so narrow and put it in my drawer. I have my tea. And um, once, and I put on um, uh, my sneakers because I'm um, going to first, before I make the tea, I should explain, I I do some rowing Mm -hmm. (laughs) on stationary, on my stationary rower. And then I, then I brew a cup of tea and, and then I sit down to the computer and, and, and once that ritual is, is gone, I, you know, I can't take it back. I'm sitting there. I've got to do something. So I either shuffle my uh, my cards and and or, or or write a dialogue that I think is coming up, you know, so I don't have to just go right into you know the next line of what I'm working on. And and sometimes I just the pure rhythm of 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 riding on the the, the rower and and making the tea and sitting down will propel me into, into, into writing. And sometimes I forget to take my second sip of tea. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a good ritual. (laughs) Yes. And and I, and I have read that there, there are, um, I wouldn't say studies, but there, there are, um, you know, uh, creative people who, who do have that, that um, kind of rhythm and it kind of, it just kind of tells their body and their mind and their creativity that, yes. you know, now it's the time to start writing. Well, I'm curious, what books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, well, recently I read um, Neil Stevenson's uh, um, Fall or Dodge Into Hell, uh, Dodge well, in Hell. Uh, it's called Fall or Dodge in Hell. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, a fantasy that my, my a very long book that got absolutely rave reviews and um, but some some real pans on on Amazon by some of his most avid readers. So uh, I'm in a little a little mini mini uh, book club with my son and my granddaughter both of whom are really avid readers. And That's great. Uh, so this was suggested by uh, my granddaughter. And so we had, 
we had a big discussion on it after we we read it, and um, it, it's it's really great fun. And uh, another book that we've recently read um, is Kisuo uh, Ishiguro's uh, *The Buried Giant*. Mm-hmm. And uh, I recently read, not in my book club, uh, *Never Let Me Go*. I just I had seen the movie, and I loved the movie. And my son had said that he didn't like the book at all. So, of course, I had to read the book. And um, I think I liked it more than he did. But, um, (laughs) yeah. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? Okay. Well, um, my website is uh, ClaudiaReeseBooks.com. And... uh, Nobody but my closest relatives um, spell my name right. So it's R-I-E-S-S. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Claudia Reese, author of the new novel, To Kingdom Come. It's the fourth book in her art history mystery series. The novel is available now. So go buy a copy. And Claudia, thanks for doing this interview. And thank you for having me. Wonderful. Thanks a lot. The following is an excerpt from To Kingdom Come, a novel by Claudia Rees, published by Level Best Books. An international Zoom meeting is in progress. The participants' mission is to expedite the return of thousands of artworks and artifacts looted from Africa in the 19th century during the colonial era. Damn it! A mild curse barely audible, but loud enough to light up the frame around Timothy Thorpe's image. Sorry, mates. Bulb blue. The overhead, it must have been, since the weaker source of light behind his computer was still there, softening his features and maybe for a millisecond the audience's attentiveness as well, so that when the black line appeared just above his shirt collar, it took another blip in time for brains to sort it out and reject the idea of a shadow cast by his desk lamp, which would explain the silence before the first scream, coming from somewhere in the Zoom's mosaic, a woman's scream. Mine, Erica realized. Likewise, a delayed reaction from Tim himself, gazing wide-eyed at the screen as if someone out there was experiencing the horror, not he himself. That is, before the black cord tightened around his neck and the impossible truth contorted his features like a funhouse mirror. And then the silence turned into the Tower of Babel, witnesses reverting to their native tongues as gloved hands, surely visible from the start, tugged on the cord and disappeared behind Tim's neck to not or entwine or do whatever was planned or improvised to cut off Tim's air, while Tim clawed at his neck in an attempt to free himself, mouth open in a parody of Monk's The Scream. Except in Tim's version, it was a cry for help, mimed to the restless viewers filling his computer screen, twinkling with their useless babble like Christmas lights. Où est-il? Where is he? Monsieur Robert Lebec cried his red cheeks deepening to scarlet, his returning to the group's common tongue, a sign that rational interchange was being restored. The museum! His office at the British Museum! Ike yelled back as if calling from across a football field. He said they're preparing an exhibit, staying late. I've got their unlisted number, seeing if I can rouse the damn security guards, all the while fumbling with his cell phone. They must seal off the exits. Museum doesn't close for another half hour. Bastard, we see you! Harrison shouted at the nondescript torso, mostly hidden by Tim's body, rigid against the chair back while his hands flailed like a mad conductor's. How many seconds had passed? Ten? Fifteen? A lifetime. 
Someone over there, call 911. Olivia? I've already put in the call. It's 999 over here, Olivia advised, her calmness, real or staged, a reminder that order was possible. I'm activating the recording option, Ike bellowed. Shifting focus to his unresponsive phone, he shouted, Hello? Hello? Harrison tapped on Thorpe's name and spotlighted his square. Instantly, it filled the screen. He dove for his cell phone. Erica, take photos! His words sounded harsh, except she was thinking the same thing, already digging her cell phone out of her jeans pocket. You video? I'll take stills. Oh, God! Outwardly, Tim had stopped struggling, but what was happening within? Her empathy was suddenly gripped by a primal curiosity. As if only by understanding Tim's encounter with death could she prepare for her own. Go, Harrison prompted. The command cut off her connection to Tim like a dropped call, and she aimed her cell's lens at the motionless figure in the more useful role as witness to a crime. As she prepared for the second shot, she realized that others were following Harrison's and her lead. On screen, the assailant's gloved finger pressed against Tim's neck, feeling for a pulse. Apparently satisfied, he or she swiftly removed the cord from around the victim's neck and made adjustments to the distribution of weight so that the body would not slump forward. Mission accomplished, the individual glided out of Tim's camera range, leaving Tim, in jacket and neatly knotted tie, to stare blankly into space with only an angry red bruise above his shirt collar to suggest what had just happened to him. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.